0: Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. And just trust. Believe. I live on a small island on the outskirts of Norway, in a tight-knit community where your neighbor knows more about what you're doing than yourself. It was 2019 in late January, and my little sister and I had been asked to sing in a winter concert that was going to be held at our local church. The concert was arranged by the locals, who had chosen my dad to take the lead on it. My dad then asked me and my little sister to sing at the event. I would also like to say that I'm an atheist, but my little sister is a Christian and always wears a cross necklace. The day before the concert was a Saturday, so my sister and I borrowed the keys from our dad. We got in the car and drove the short distance to the church so we could see if the ukulele could be heard without needing a microphone. We got there at around 10pm and everything was dark. The church was lit up by the lights outside but everywhere else was dark as the abyss. Luckily for us, our dad had been there earlier to put on the heat so it would be warm enough for the concert. We got inside and started setting up so we could try the ukulele. Immediately, we hear creaks coming from the gallery the second floor of the church where the organ is placed with additional seating surrounding it. My sister has always been a little jumpy and immediately stiffens up and asks with a shaky voice what that noise was. Me, not really thinking about it, said that it's probably just the wood adjusting to the heat since the church is over 150 years old. I said that mostly to calm my sister. I remember that it sounded more like footsteps than the wood adjusting, but I didn't want to scare my sister, so I half-lied. I finished setting up my phone at the back of the church, with it recording so we could hear if the ukulele could carry the sound all the way in the back, and hurried my way to the front while ushering my sister to get ready. The more we talked and sang, the less time we had to listen for sounds. We did the song a few times, with and without the mic on the ukulele. Because of the technical aspect of what we were doing, setting it up, putting it away, setting it up again, going back and forth to listen to the recording and so on, there were many instances where we could hear sounds from upstairs. I tried to talk to my sister as much as I could, but she was tuned in and noticed everything. Shadows, sounds, and cold spots. Even though it made me incredibly scared, I tried to rationalize everything, but the tension grew, and it turned bad. You know how sometimes you can feel if a spirit or ghost is good or bad, if they like you or not, and so on? This ghost didn't seem to like us. We were doing one last practice song, when suddenly... My sister stopped everything she was doing. I had been looking at the ukulele, trying to find out the perfect distance between the microphone, so it took a little while before I noticed she'd stopped. When I finally looked up at her, she had her eyes glued to the gallery, and they were as wide as plates, and I could see tears forming. She was frozen in place, gripping the paper lyrics tightly and she would not answer me. I tried shaking her a little bit and asked her what was wrong, when suddenly, a door from the second floor slammed shut. I don't mean like it closed, no, it slammed, like how an angry and furious teenager would slam their door. It was loud. I practically jumped out of my skin, and I think my heart skipped a beat. My sister and I shared a look, and in a split second, she grabbed her jacket and my car keys, then ran out of there while saying, I'm out, I'm out, I'm going out. If I could have done the same, I would have, but I had to run to the back of the church to grab my phone and turn off the lights, and fumble my way to the front where we had entered. I ran, and I swear it felt like someone was breathing down my neck ushering us out, chasing me. When I finally managed to turn off all the lights and lock the doors, I bolted to the car, only to stop in the middle of the road. I could see my sister in the car, crying. But that wasn't what had made me stop. It wasn't what I was seeing. It was what I wasn't feeling that sent the biggest shiver down my spine. There was no wind outside. None, not even a small breeze. It was like the earth had stopped spinning and any movement in the air was what I was breathing out. I managed to scramble into the car, grabbed the keys from my sister since she wasn't old enough to drive, and hurried out of there as fast as I could. We didn't say a word on the way home. My sister was just quietly sobbing, while I was anxiously biting my fingernails. When I parked the car, we just sat there for a while, in silence, before my sister said in a shaky voice, You noticed it too? Noticed what? I asked. She let out a deep sigh, unbuckled her seatbelt, and as soon as she opened the door, she said, There wasn't any wind. When we got back home, We told our dad everything, and he just casually said, Yeah, I know it's haunted. Which made both me and my sister explode in both anger and questions. How could he send us there, alone at night, knowing it was haunted? He said he thought it would be fine, since there were two of us. My father then reminded us of something that happened during December the year before. There was going to be a Christmas concert in the church, and to fit the marching band, they rearranged the chairs. But the problem is, not everyone is aware of how to place the chairs to avoid a fire hazard. The church is heated up by these metal poles that go on top of the floor and under the chairs. Sometimes the chairs can end up touching the metal, which poses a fire hazard. I believe it was around 11 p.m. that night. And I was peacefully watching TV when my dad came storming downstairs, not only scaring me but also the dog, and he said, Get dressed, we need to go to the church. Turns out, my dad had been lying in bed when he suddenly felt the urgent need to go check the chairs. We got dressed and headed over there. When we got there, we saw that some of the chairs were touching metal which would have started a fire if we hadn't checked. As we're about to leave, our dad stops for a second and looks back to the door under the gallery. He quickly turns back around and we hurry out and head home. What he didn't tell me that night, and probably wouldn't if my sister and I hadn't told him what we experienced, was that he had felt a presence with us that night and the reason he brought me along in the first place was because he didn't want to be there alone due to the ghost. I honestly thought it was foolish to bring us with him, and at the time didn't understand why he couldn't do it alone. Now I totally understand. We talked with the priest, who denied the church being haunted. So we spoke to a man who serves as the church's sound engineer and handyman, and he said, of course it's haunted, and started telling different tales he himself had experienced, because he's there alone quite a lot. He also said that the ghost had a positive aura on Sundays, but if anything happened in the church on any other day, the aura would get bad and thick, and you would always get a feeling that you're not supposed to be there.
0: On an episode, Andrew mentioned a microwave incident where he saw bright red, and that reminded me of a story that involved blinding light for me. When I was about 13 or 14 years old, like many other kids my age, I had a paper route to earn some extra money. This was often my main way of buying video games, so I took on about three different routes surrounding the streets that I lived on to earn as much as I could. It's important to mention that This was something that I did year-round, and living in the prairies of Canada, just under half of the year was spent delivering in mornings that were cold, snow-covered, and dead silent. This unexplainable event happened on one of those same mornings, accompanied by my dog, who would often be by my side free to roam during the desolate hours of the morning. I had made my rounds and things were quite normal as I weaved back and forth from either sides of the street, on the way back to my house, happy to be getting back just as the sun was rising. I remember that on my last 10 papers to deliver, I looked at my phone to check the time. I often did this because I liked to time myself and make personal bests when I could. I saw the time was around 6.30 a.m. I had made good time being about 15 minutes quicker than my normal route time and continued delivering. After delivering my last paper, which was about three doors down from my house, I had just returned to the sidewalk when a sudden bright blue light blinded me. It instantly felt like I was frozen in place and all of my senses were numb. I couldn't sense my dog near me. I I couldn't hear anything or see anything. I could feel myself mentally panicking because normally... My instinct would be to try and feel my face or my body to check if something happened. But I didn't even feel like I was inside of my body anymore. I just felt like I was existing, but not physically present, while being enveloped by this bright blue light. Just as soon as it happened, it ended. I was standing in the same place, looking up at the sky, and my dog was still beside me. The strange part was, he didn't seem bothered at all. I took a moment to regain composure unable to process what happened in that instant. I shook it off, and I noticed that I had been crying. Only a few tears, nothing crazy, but I felt so exhausted all of a sudden. I returned home, and my mom was already up having her morning coffee. I settled in and got my winter clothes off, meanwhile racking my brain to understand and rationalize what had just happened. Funny enough, I settled on thinking that Maybe it was a freak weather occurrence and maybe there was lightning that struck near me or something. Thinking that's what it must have been, I went to ask my mom. Mom, I have a weird question. She looked at me, half sleepy and a bit puzzled. Okay, what is it, honey? Is it possible for lightning to strike in winter? She looked very confused and pondered the question. I don't think so. Why? I've never heard of that. Not wanting to concern her, I just shrugged. I don't know, I was just wondering. And then I walked away into the kitchen and as I passed the oven, I noticed the time. It was about 7.45 a.m. I somehow had lost an hour of time when I was only a minute away from my home after my last delivery. My brain has never been able to rationalize this and I still can't think of what it might have been to this day. Another thing that puzzles me is that my dog never reacted to it happening at all. It'll be a mystery I'll keep with me for the rest of my life, I guess. Thanks for the awesome podcast, and keep up the great work.
1: I'll admit... This is not easy to share. Most would say this is just a hallucination due to my condition, but I felt it, and I know it's real. To understand what led up to this point, it's important to know, I have severe sleep apnea, and sleep paralysis often accompanies this condition. If you're not familiar with what sleep apnea is, it's when a person is trying to sleep and their throat muscle relaxes and temporarily cuts off their air supply so you stop breathing during sleep. To give you an idea of how severe my sleep apnea is, when I was tested, I stopped breathing 54 times in one hour of sleep. So, with that explained, here's my experience. This did not happen every night, but it was getting more and more frequent. As time went on, I was lying in bed, and a feeling of dread would wash over me. Then, a dark figure would be at my bedroom door. He had a fedora-type hat and a trench coat on, and would slowly walk to my bed, and then stand over me and just stare down. I couldn't move at all during these encounters and would stop breathing. It was like... He was using his mind to choke me. This led to me being terrified of going to sleep, and I'd be exhausted and physically drained all the time. My mood changed and I was becoming paranoid, afraid, and was in constant pain all the time. I finally went to a doctor because of this, and a sleep test was ordered. The night of the sleep test, I was very nervous. Eventually, I did fall asleep and woke up to the sleep technician rushing in to wake me up and put a CPAP machine on me. They continued the study and the minute I fell asleep, the figure came running through the door to my bed. I knew he was angry because he couldn't choke me anymore. He leaned over me and then left. I was so scared but... Also relieved that he couldn't hurt me, as long as I was using my CPAP machine. I only saw him once more after that. It was when I lost power after a storm and couldn't use my machine all night. I fought off sleep, knowing he'd come if I did fall asleep. I'm afraid to be without the CPAP because I don't want to see him ever again. I went to the pulmonologist after my initial test and without me saying anything about my experience, he asked me if I saw anything during sleep before I used the machine. I looked at him, wide-eyed, and said yes, then told him about my experiences. He said that he was not surprised and that many of his other patients have seen the dark man in the fedora and trench coat, although mine was by far the worst case he'd ever heard. He said that this was just a common hallucination and that I should not worry. I don't believe that this is a coincidence or just a hallucination. I am not the only one who has seen this. I don't know the other patients. We've never spoken or even know each other. Honestly, I'm not sure what this is, but the fact that seemingly all sleep apnea sufferers experience this is the creepiest part.
0: My ex and I were long-distance dating for a few years and met a few times. One in Canada, one in the U.S. One night, I had fallen asleep. While dreaming, I found myself in the corner of my room, watching myself sleep. Like an angle of a camera in the corner of the ceiling. I could see the walls from this perspective. Right underneath from where this camera or my point of view would be, was a dark mass of a person. It was just pure black. It was watching me completely still. Now, even though I was in the corner, watching for what felt like an hour, in this hour of watching myself and this thing watching me, I kept hearing small cracking sounds, like when you straighten your back and you hear your spine crack a little bit. But it was constant. And towards the end of the dream... This thing looks up at me in the corner. I felt so exposed and like I was dangling there for it to touch me. It finally did. It felt like cold smoke. I don't know how to explain it, like an oil diffuser, but much colder and denser. As soon as it touched me, I instantly heard a deafening growl or barking in my ear. Directly into my ear so I woke up. My window was closed, no dogs were allowed in the complex, and immediately after I woke up, my boyfriend called me. I answered to him crying profusely on the phone asking me if I was okay. I asked what was wrong, and he began saying that he had a nightmare about me. A dark shadow was watching you sleep, and I couldn't do anything about it. Just then, his dog barked, sounding almost like what I heard. And he said, my dog barked in my ear and woke me up. Immediately after all of this, I started hearing plastic crinkling in my mother's room, which is right next to mine. And I go to check it out because I'm home alone with no pets, no open windows. And it was winter. This crinkling sound had been coming from under my mom's bed. Her plastic covering was still on one of her mattresses under her main mattress. I peeked into her room, only for the plastic sound to become quite rowdy and intense, like someone was aggressively moving around on it with their hands. We later used sage to cleanse ourselves, each corner of the house, and opened the windows to let whatever was in it out. We wanted it to leave us alone. We weren't afraid, and it wasn't allowed to be there anymore, and it seemed fine after that. Well, skip forward three to four years later. My family had moved out of this place since then, and I'm now living with my boyfriend and his family, as well as my mother-in-law, who told me that her best friend used to live in that same house as me. They had killed themselves in the bathtub. I hadn't even told her about my experiences in that place. Anyone have any thoughts?
1: Most won't believe me, but for what it's worth, I promise everything I tell you is 100% true, to the best of my memory. However, names have been changed. I was about 18, and I was hanging out at my friend Joanne's house with some other school friends. I can't remember how we got onto the subject, but towards the end of the evening, Joanne thought it would be fun to perform a seance. Joanne and her family were from Cape Town, South Africa, and they had a deep-rooted interest in various aspects of spirituality, or at least that's what Joanne made out to us. With the lights off and candles lit, we all sat at a round table with cards fanned out around the edge. Each card had a letter of the alphabet, arranged A through Z, and a shot glass placed in the middle. Joanne starts speaking out to the spirits in Afrikaans, her native language. I remember pulling a face and rolling my eyes, although it was too dark for anyone to take offense. At the time, I was an insufferable, enlightened teen dork, basically a cringy 4chan edgelord who thought any form of spirituality or religion was beneath me and my superior intellect. However. What was about to happen made me question everything. It started mundane enough. A few questions were asked, and the shot glass we were resting our fingers on started to move around, until eventually one of my friends asked the spirit if they were associated with anyone in the room. The shot glass moved directly towards me. Incredulous, I asked the spirit, If you're associated with me, What's my mother's maiden name? My eyes fixate on the letters that spell out her maiden name, which is Jones, but the glass started spelling out something different. First, the glass went to T, then H, then O. I thought then it was bullshit, as it was completely wrong. Then I was struck by a horrific realization. When my mom was six months old, her biological father died of a heart attack and a year after that, she took her stepfather's name. I completely forgot this in the moment, as I was expecting the glass to read out the maiden name she had for the majority of her life, but it was actually spelling out her maiden name of Thompson. It was a fact so trivial that I barely remembered it myself. It was something never talked about, even within my family, as it happened so long ago. It would be hard to believe that any of my friends would know this esoteric piece of my family's history that occurred 20 years before I was even born. But nonetheless, somehow it was being spelled out in front of my very eyes. My school friends and I wouldn't talk about anything deeper than video games and girls at that age, so there's no way I ever mentioned this to any of them. It's not like one of my loser friends had a copy of my mom's birth certificate and none of them had ever met anyone in my family. There was literally no way anyone could have known this. Before I could contemplate this for too long or ask any other questions to my ghostly associate, Joanne's mom came into the room and turned the lights on. With a thick South African accent, she shouts something like, Bloody hell, Joanne, stop messing around with this silly crap, and put a definitive stop to the proceedings. Of course, at the time, I played it off as a prank, but the more I think of it, the more my mind wonders, did something actually paranormal happen that night? I know it's nothing dramatic or exciting. I didn't see an apparition or a cryptid, but unlike 90% of the shit you read on Reddit, this experience is actually true, and something to this day I can't explain. I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: I was listening to you guys talk about lucid dreaming in one of your episodes, but I wanted to warn you that it can be really messed up. Here's my story. In 2009, I was on a lucid dreaming message board, and I was obsessed with the idea of it. I would follow all of the guides to achieve lucidity and do all of the things that people said to do. Most of the time, when I would become lucid, I would get too overwhelmed and excited, and I would just wake up. I started working on a plan for what I would do when I would realize I was dreaming so that I could be ready. The first time I really took control, I was having a dream about being in a car that was about to crash. I realized that it was a dream and I took control of the car, parked it, and got out. I looked around and decided that it was time to execute my plan. I shot myself up into the air like Superman. And I flew around my city. It was incredible, amazing. Who wouldn't want to experience that? Over the next few weeks, I would fly, meet celebrities like Edward Norton, and just have a lot of fun being in control. It was great. I looked forward to going to bed every night, and I was getting really obsessed with the whole thing. One morning, I woke up, got ready for work, walked to my office, just a few blocks from my apartment, and got set up at my desk. Something seemed off, though. I glanced up at the clock on the wall, and something was very wrong. The clock hands were distorted, and I couldn't read the time. They were just flopping around, in the clock casing. Was I having a stroke? What the fuck is happening? I looked around the room, and it felt like I was surrounded by rippling clear jello. I looked down at my hands and they were warped and gelled, kind of rippled. Then I woke up. I was laying in my bed. I felt scared. I got up and tried to shake off this weird feeling. I got ready for work again and I took my phone out to look at something. But I couldn't make any sense of the screen. Nothing was working right. Fuck, I thought. I'm still asleep. And then I woke up. I was in my bed. Again. Staring at the ceiling, hoping that this was for real. I got up and splashed water on my face. I looked at my hands and they looked okay. I walked out to my living room and tried to get a grip. Was I awake? Was I asleep? I looked at the microwave and I swear I could feel my soul shake as the digital clock numbers were garbled and mangled, flickering. I felt like crying. Please let me wake up. Please let me wake up. And then I woke up again. I jumped out of bed and looked at my phone. Things seemed to make sense. Things seemed to work. I went to the bathroom. I studied myself in the mirror. It looked like me. I felt like me. I washed my face and tried to feel the cold water on my skin and it felt right. I went to work and sat at my desk for a few moments, just staring at the clock on the wall. Making sure that everything worked right and I could know what time it was. I spent the whole day terrified that I was going to wake up again. I vowed to never purposely lucid dream again, and since then, I've only done it once. In the next year, the movie Inception came out and it blew my mind. It reminded me so much of my experiences. I saw it in the theater. And when I got home that night, I laid down, flat on my back, closed my eyes, and I slowly started building a city in my mind. I laid out the roads, the sidewalks, the buildings, the traffic, even the people. Everything was meticulously planned and laid out in my mind. I did this as I fell asleep, and as I drifted into unconsciousness, I was somehow able to immerse myself in this world that I was building. I simply walked around, strolled through the streets, and explored the city. I didn't interact with anyone or go into any buildings. I just wanted to experience this world that I made for a while. The next morning I woke up and all was normal. Since then, I've never purposely lucid dreamed. Also, I warn others against it because of how badly it affected me psychologically for a while. Even before the false awakening incidents, I felt like I had become addicted to it and it started to interfere with my life. So if you want to involve yourself in lucid dreaming, just be careful and learn the tells for being asleep. Sometimes it can be eerily hard to know.
1: that lucid dreaming story was wild. It had some inception vibes to it. And I'm not the most well-versed in lucid dreaming. I've pulled it off maybe three or four times in the past couple years. Um, what are your thoughts on this particular story though? Because that, that was a weird one. The, the waking up and reawakening, that's that's new to me.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you say it, it was wild because that's uh, that's actually an acronym for what was going on at the end of her story where she was actually going from the awake state directly into a lucid dream that she had created. It's called WILD. It's like I think it stands for Awaking Induced Lucid Dreaming.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what that is. Yeah. But you take it away.
0: The easiest way to do this is to wake up in the middle of the night, like around three or four in the morning, mm-hmm. walk around, get some water, make sure you're fully awake, then lay back down then you want to do one of many methods. Uh, I find that the best one is literally what the author was doing, where you're imagining where you want to be or built, in her case, building a city that you want to be in, in your mind while you're laying there still. Mm-hmm. And you let yourself, you just keep doing that. And eventually you will fall asleep. You may enter a sleep paralysis state, which is just what your body naturally does. That's what the,
1: happened to me when i tried that method. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, it wasn't anything spooky with shadow people, but it was definitely, I couldn't move. I was awake, but not, it was, it was strange. It was really strange. I felt like I was about to take off maybe even like an astral projection of some sort, but I just tend to get into a generic meditative state and that seems to work for me in the few times it has worked, but yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. You
0: get into uh, almost a meditative state. That's what happens when a lot of people meditate. That That happens when I meditate sometimes if I'm lucky enough, I'll get into almost a sleep paralysis state. And uh, what what happens is if you're able to cross over and continue that state of consciousness while your body falls asleep, you're able to manifest that dream and you'll find yourself in the dream immediately, like just jumping directly into the dream like she did. Uh, that's the wild method. I am not great at it. One, one way you can do it also is this is the, uh, it's like a finger method. It's where you're laying down flat you, you have your hands at your side and you raise a finger and you just hold it up just slightly, not, not super high, like to where it, it's, it's struggling, just slightly off the bed and just hold it up while you're falling asleep. And as slowly as you're, you're focusing on that finger, your body will go to sleep. You'll feel your finger drop and you'll know that you're asleep and that will be your cue to move on to the dream. I've never been able to do that, but that's just one that I've read about that works for a lot of people.
1: That sounds tiring. That's what I do at work. I try to lift my foot up and hold it there so I don't fall asleep. (laughs) I guess it could keep you awake. Uh, But but the one that has worked for
0: me is exactly hers where she's building or imagining where she wants to be. A lot of times it happens where I just wake up in my room and it's almost like an out-of-body experience, but it's not because I know that I'm fully asleep and it's a dream. There's a big difference between the two, uh, even though they are somewhat
1: related. Another method that's worked for me about twice a few years ago is just looking at my hands all the time every day and asking myself, doing the, the reality checks. We've talked about this before. And just looking at my hands, because in in my dreams, when I look at my hands, they always look different. And that's my immediate cue to know Oh, hey, this is lucid. Cool. Yeah. And in in the story, they even have a lot of uh, references to their hands
0: being weird, focusing on their hands, focusing on clocks, because numbers and letters never really make sense in dreams. That happened to me before. I remember I was in a drive through in a dream and I was looking at the menu trying to figure out what to eat. And I looked away, then looked back, and everything looked different. I was like, oh, this is a dream. And I was able to, I, I remember this one pretty vividly. I just got out of the car and I started talking to people, talking to the dream characters. That's another interesting thing about uh, dreams. Your mind creates all of these characters that will interact with you and they have their own personalities. They look so – they're all individual. They look different. Sometimes they'll try to convince you that you're not dreaming, which is kind of creepy. That is creepy, yeah. That's always Like the one you me. had with your wife, right? Yes, exactly. That, one's, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff has always scared me, but I'm getting used to it. I'm dreaming a lot more right now because I'm listening to an audiobook by Robert Wagner – I think it's just called lucid dreaming and uh, I'm learning a lot about it. But when you start uh, really focusing on lucid dreaming, you start dream journaling. Like when you wake up in the morning, first thing you do is write down your dream. It starts creating more dreams for you, more vivid dreams. Once you really start focusing on it, listening to books about it, watching videos on it, you actually start to dream more and your dreams get more vivid. And just by
1: exposure. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You're manifesting it. And That's happening to me right now. So I'm going through a phase of crazy dreams, not lucid yet, but crazy vivid dreams. And that always leads to a lucid dream for me. Now, the thing is, this story, the author is warning listeners about lucid dreaming. And I can understand that because it can be scary, especially when it's new to you, especially when you have false awakenings like they had. You wake up, you you think that life is just normal. You woke up from a dream, you're brushing your teeth, you look at a clock and it doesn't make sense. And you realize, oh, my God, I'm still dreaming. You wake up again and it's another false awakening. You're
1: still in a dream. Your hands don't look right. That can be really scary. Man, just trapped. Yes. That's like that that maze I was in when I couldn't get out, didn't know the right pattern to leave that gridlocked forest or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That That's frightening.
0: Yeah. And I can see how it would be scary, but you just have to remember that it's a dream Even if it is a false awakening, it's still just part of the same dream. It's still just part of you sleeping. You're not going to be stuck in that dream forever. Nobody gets stuck in a dream forever. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I like that. So, uh, yeah, So, I I would say uh, if you're having fear with lucid dreaming, try affirmations. And these are really powerful. These are simply shouting out commands in your dream. And putting intent behind what you're about to say, a lot of times, if you're you're realizing you're in a dream, and you are about to wake up, you can shout something like uh, "Lucidity now! I want to be lucid," and or "I want to be grounded," and you will ground yourself in that dream so that you don't wake up. And one you can actually do is. Make everything go away. If you're having a scary dream, if you're stuck in a dream, you can literally manifest whatever you want in that dream if the intent is there. You can make everything go away. If it's scaring you, if you feel like you're in a false awakening, if there's something dangerous in the dream, if you just don't feel right, you can take control. It just It's just a matter of intent. Get over the fear and use an affirmation. Just say out loud what you want. Really mean it. If you say it loud enough, you can manifest it. But before we move on to the next subject, uh, here's just a few tips for you guys. Don't be scared. I know the author is warning everybody, and I can understand that. Um, Don't be scared of lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming is a positive thing. People have healed themselves from chronic pain and illnesses in their dreams, manifesting light in different parts of their body. People have actually manifested Events to happen in their lives from their dreams. They've learned about themselves from their dreams because a lot of your dream characters are just manifestations of different parts of yourself and your personality. You can learn from them. There are guides within your dreams that you can talk to and follow that can help you throughout life. Don't be scared of your dreams. And I want to tell this author I know it's scary, but don't be scared. I say keep pushing. The only thing I, I would recommend is you do you did say that it can kind of take over your real life, your your waking life. That is true. You can become obsessed with lucid dreaming, you can become obsessed with your dreams, and it can screw with your life. Finding a dream life balance is really important. I can't just wake up from my dreams, open my phone and start uh, logging my dream immediately because I need to get a decent amount of sleep. And that's going to keep me up all night by looking at my screen and it's going to wake my wife up. So I get it. I I don't want to talk about my dreams all the time to my wife. I don't want to talk about it anymore in this outro. I'm rambling.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, That's okay. We can talk about Ouija boards.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but okay. Yeah, let's definitely do that. One last thing. Tips for lucid dreaming If you want to lucid dream, and I highly recommend it. I'm really going through a lucid dream phase. I go, I do this in phases. You're on a kick. I'm loving it. You're on one, buddy. Take a breath. Take a breath. Yeah, you got this champ. Okay. So here are my tips for lucid dreaming. Okay. Reality checks, like like we were talking about. Look at your hands throughout the day. uh, Just constantly look at your hands. Make sure you got five fingers. You can try to push your finger through your palm. Um, You can also try to close your, uh, plug your nostrils. Then try to take a breath in or out because these things, when you do them in a dream, they're different. When you look at your hands, you got too many fingers or your fingers are too long. Try to push your your finger through your palm. It's going to go right through your palm. Mm -hmm. In a dream, if you try to breathe with your nose plugged, you're going to be able to breathe. If you look at words or you're reading something, look away, look back at it during the day. It's going to look normal in a dream. It's never going to make any sense. So what you can do is pick one of these things or a couple of these things and use it as a reality check throughout the day. You can set an alarm. You can get an app for it. I personally like to do pushing my finger through my hand. Mm -hmm. So like every hour or so, when I look at the clock, if it's, if an hour has passed, I try to push my finger through my hand and say, am I dreaming? No. Eventually, hopefully I'll do that in a dream and my finger will go through my hand and I'll be like, oh, that's my trigger. I'm lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. And. That is my number one tip for lucid dreaming, and that is, by all means, do reality checks and keep a dream journal. Amen. I got to, yeah, let's talk about this Ouija story.
1: Yeah, yeah. The one that I read reminded me a lot of my own experience that I spoke about a few episodes ago, Mm -hmm. just how it was spelling something out and the author thought at first it was nonsense, and then it, it dawned on them that... There's a chance that this isn't just some meaningless coincidence, just like what happened to me. And I'm a little concerned about the mother just bursting in and shutting the whole thing down. I'm not sure if they ever got to say goodbye or not, but it doesn't seem like it. That's not good.
0: Yeah, it's not good not
1: to shut it down. I, I've
0: thought about this, actually, because while the the coincidence with the initials of your grandparents at the cabin and everything while it makes sense when you lay it out for me, mm-hmm. would you accept the possibility that somehow somebody was subconsciously moving the planchet or something, and they moved it to those letters, or maybe the the Ouija board was speaking to you guys, but you interpreted it as your grandparents simply because of the coincidence? You f- basically what you did is you found that coincidence and applied it to your situation. Oh, of course, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying, do you think that that is what happens in a lot of these cases?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's pretty common knowledge that a lot of our Subconsciousness plays some roles in this, whether we want to believe it or not. Okay, it'd be silly to suggest that. Oh yeah, you put your fingers on a planchet; it's definitely a spirit every time. Like, okay, no, come on, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I was curious, but your story was it's it's dead on. It's so good there was a lot. There was a lot yeah. that tied in, and also since we're playing devil's advocate here, there is one skeptical point I've heard about Ouija boards, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. We haven't talked about this, but. Mm-hmm. There are people who have tried using Ouija boards while they're blindfolded and the board is flipped upside down. See where I'm getting at? What? Well, you would think and you would hope, but nothing significant has ever seemed to happen under these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Most people seem to use that as proof that it's all bullshit. Well, so they're blindfolded and the Ouija board is upside down? And nothing that's coherent results from it.
0: Well, could it just be that the spirits can't see the board?
1: What what do you mean? Well, how, how are they able to see it without the users being blindfolded? Because the board's normally flipped up right.
0: So the spirits are looking down on the board. They still have to look at things like we do, right? I think. I mean, if you're in a, a seance circle, it doesn't really matter what direction you're in, right? Well, I'm just thinking that if you're flipping the board upside down and spirits are the ones that are moving the planchet around.
1: Well, hold on. Hold on. I feel kind of dumb. Is it ever truly upside down if you're in a circle of people? <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Oh, you're <laughs> saying upside down is in just f- turned. I thought yeah. the board was on like the back of the oh. board
1: was up. Uh, we both just had a little moment there. Oh, that no, no, was no, it's funny. Okay. That's hella funny. I like that. I like that.
0: <laughs> uh, no, okay. Okay. I get what you're saying. All right. All right. All right. It just goes to nonsense. That is interesting because when, when you were saying it, I was thinking of the board just being literally flipped upside down so that the back of the board was face up. I was like, yeah. Face yeah. down. They, thank you. So the spirits can't even see. They can't see to move it around because they're probably looking down on the board too. It's not like they right. have
1: o- omnipotent uh, vision. That's why I was so confused. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, even I was really- What's the the that, no. Like they can't yeah. go to the
0: other side of the fucking yeah. table.
1: <laughs> Lazy ass ghost. <laughs> fucking stupid ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I have a theory, but I want to hear yours first, and I'm going to squeal if we're on the same page here.
0: Well, I guess that just means that um it's our subconscious moving the planchet, and oh. when you trick the human and turn it without them knowing. Obviously, their subconscious doesn't know that. So their subconscious mind is going to move it to where they think the letters Mm -hmm. are subconsciously.
1: Yep, That is the agreed upon explanation. However, if we're going to also try to suggest that this is all real, the spirits don't like being tested. They don't like being quizzed. Hey, prove to me that you're real. Sometimes they might reply. They might respond. But from what I've gathered, they don't like being tested in a sense like that. And they might get a little passive aggressive. Just like the best of us. (laughs) I wonder if that's why uh, Ghost Adventures, the TV
0: show, always goes awry because they're always beckoning the ghosts and like taunting them. Like, come out and show me yourself. Dude, Mm -hmm. I want you to move this for me if you're real. It's actually a line where that fucking weirdo, Zach Bagans, is in, in a bed. And his feet are out underneath a blanket and they've got like the night vision cameras on him. And he says, come on, ghost. Why don't you come over here and wiggle my big old long toes? <laughs> Skin that smoke wagon. <laughs> Jerk that smoke pistol and go to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it doesn't always go as planned. Maybe the ghosts just don't like getting tricked, as you said. Yeah. Maybe, maybe when you blindfold fold yourself, <laughs> whatever spirit is possessing you to move the planchet Is using your eyes. Exactly. That could be a reasonable explanation.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty agnostic about the whole Ouija board thing. I lean towards the possibility that it probably is, could be, likely, but at the same time, let's be real. There's a very good chance it also couldn't be.
0: I agree. I am I, I always lean towards the yes when it comes to same. anything spiritual, same. demonic, possession, anything like that. I always mm-hmm. lean towards the yes. But I'm I am moderately agnostic about things. I like to give things the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this was fun. This was a good 50th episode. Thank you all.
0: Yeah, and the, the lucid dream story came just at the right time. Like I said, I'm so knee deep in this this uh, lucid dreaming book by Robert Wagner. I recommend it. It's on Audible. Uh, yeah. My my tips to everybody: practice lucid dreaming. Just watch some YouTube videos. You'll find try out. Try it out. Yeah. Tr- try it out. Try it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. This week, you have heard A Haunted Church by L.B. Lost Time Delivering Newspapers by Momo. Sleep Apnea Story by Bethany. Same Nightmare at Same Time by Responsible ResponsibleDeer595. Ouija boards are bullshit, right? By Ama1989. And finally, Lucid Dreaming by Tiffany. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you want to hear your story on the show, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.